Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 18 of Did You Watch The Race? This week we'll be reviewing the Austrian Grand Prix and reviewing the review of the Austrian Grand Prix post-penalties. We'll be chatting through some F1 news and doing another round of F-pun. Column is away this week, unfortunately, so it's just myself, Jason. And me, Gemma. So, there was a lot to discuss after this weekend's sprint, so did you watch the race? I did not. I watched qualies and I watched the sprint didn't watch the race and I am I'm very upset because it seemed class. Yeah, same as that. I actually only got to watch the qualies and sprints. I was in Crow Park on Sunday, so it didn't get to, it didn't really get to watch it live. So one of the guys with us had his, had it on his phone. And then there was a lady in front of us who also had it on her phone. <laughs> so I was kind of able to sneak a few looks here and there. Got a panoramic view of it. But yeah, a lot happening up and oh down the field God. from Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I was going to say, this has to be the most exciting uh, race weekend in a while. Pretty much, yeah, since the start of the year and when all our mm. hopes and dreams went out the window. <laughs> yeah, there, we'll discuss obviously the sprint format maybe later on, but a better run out for it this time around than it was at Baku. Mm-hmm. So obviously we started with qualifying on Friday and the fateful track limits returned at Spielberg. And there was a lot of unhappy faces about that. A lot of unhappy faces, a lot of unhappy messages. I can Mm -hmm. understand the unhappiness from the drivers to a degree, except for that they were told explicitly where this will be happening. Yeah, like the the specific place. (laughs) Yeah, if they had sprung this on them during the session, yeah, fair enough. But this has been an issue here for the last multiple years. And I think everyone's given out that there was more penalties this year than in previous years. I think they were just way more strict on it this year. They mm-hmm. were down to the letter of the law on it. I prefer that, but as a spectacle, it does make it a little bit worse to watch. So mm-hmm. it definitely needs to be worked on for the future. So either, you know, this is the track that it happens the most at by by far. So I know they were looking at discussing putting gravel there or something like that, an actual physical deterrent. But did you actually, did you see the end of the, after qualifying the end of the stewards notes? where they, suge- they suggested please fix track limits issue for next year <laughs> or something like that. What? Yeah. Note to self. Yeah. So That's it either ne- they, they do need to do something with it because it was it was like, it was embarrassing to watch at times, you mm. know. And if everyone is consistently exceeding the track limits then surely it's not just the drivers being stupid. It's whatever the dynamic of the car and how it's changed. Surely that has to do with it as well. Yeah, well, you see, that's where the issue is with it because there is so much time to be gained. Like, if you were able to run, say, what they were running, getting lap times deleted properly, you'd probably mm. be easily gaining maybe two to three tenths just through yeah. that, that last two turns. There's a massive amount to be gained. So I think they have to make a defined limit and say, this is what you get away with, this is what you can't. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, a few drivers fell foul of it on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Literally everyone. I'd love to see, I'd love to chart who didn't, uh, who wasn't affected by the track limits because it, it seems to you almost everyone was. The only drivers on Sunday anyway were uh, Guan Yu Zhou and George Russell. That's them had any, Yeah, no, they were the only two drivers with no warnings. Uh, and then stop. I think Max only had one warning and somebody else had one warning. There was a couple other after that, but they were doing ones with zero, zero warnings. Out of 20 cars, that is ridiculous. Well, I guess Hulkenberg yeah. also, maybe, but <laughs> he DNF'd. So. <laughs> no, because he got a penalty after he, after he went out. I he got saw a penalty, that yeah. in the highlights, but I thought maybe there was an error because I was like, he DNF'd nope. like 15 laps ago. So th- yeah, this is the issue with... This was what was embarrassing to me. It wasn't the drivers going out and it wasn't the teams. It was the fact that it was so delayed 
the entire yeah. weekend. They had like, surely they could have spotted this on Friday when they were having massive issues with it that they need to dedicate some people to do this, set up some dedicated cameras. I, I mm-hmm. don't, you know, it's a big one of the big sports in the world. They have to be able to find a way to solve this. If the, if it means putting transponders in the car and you know running strips along the track, like surely this has been discussed or talked about. Mm-hmm. It's just another case of the FIA and Formula One management kind of burying their heads in the sand over oh, an issue that affects the the product. Or in in the other way that we can see in Formula One is getting lost in the detail where part of me can imagine um, the FIA stewards like frame by frame almost and, and getting lost in like, oh, well, there was a tiny little millimetre, like instead of making yeah. almost like a blanket call or just a, a, a quick decision, not quick, but slightly quicker decision of okay you know what yeah we're gonna call that we're not gonna call that like i wonder how meticulously they were looking through it and is is that part of the problem the big loser though then obviously in qualifying was perez because of the deleted laps is that three of the last four q3s he hasn't met it into is it what was the mad statistic were we talking about this before that what was the driver who made it into q3 more times this season than perez i think hulkenberg has anyway there's a couple, a couple of drivers. I think he's only like five four against Albon in qualifying as well, or something. Crazy. Yeah, it, like you could see Christian Horner was livid with him after Friday qualifying, mm. and I completely agree with him. You know, the car that they're in, they don't need. He was ringing every millimeter off that, trying to beat Max. He jo- like I think it was what we we talked about last week that he's going to cause himself issues from trying to overstep his skill mm. in keeping up with Max when he should just be running his own races and figuring out you know what he needs but he had three two attempts in q2 that were cancelled he had one in q1 that was cancelled that's three laps you don't get away with and that. it's three and big simple. mistakes yeah which is very tough yeah he uh christian horner was really ripping into him now after and again rightly so but i always find it really bizarre when team principals are so brutally honest about their drivers failing or not meeting their expectations to the media because i feel like in most other professions it's like you'd never do that to save face but it really and i think in most of the instances like the team principal is there to obviously protect the image of the drivers and the team but in this case it's you can really see how fed up christian is about the whole Perez situation which is really unfortunate because we all love Perez too. Like, you know, he's a great driver. Yeah, well, I love right. Perez. Sorry, not all of us, but he's a good driver. But like, I'm no fan of Christian Horner, but I'd have to say after the last five race weekends, he's dead right. You know, he, he has been not so much making excuses for Perez, but he's been easy enough on him for the last few races because obviously Max is flying away. They're happy enough. But it does hit a point where you say, look, you the minimum for that car is hitting Q3 and top five every weekend like mm-hmm. th- that is just the pa- the strength of that car and the strength of that package when Max has it mm-hmm. so the fact that this is you know you can say that he was unfortunate multiple times maybe going into Q3 but you know <laughs> your luck runs out eventually yeah exactly you're not gonna have you can't just miss four Q3s in that car and not face the wrath yeah Albon had had a good result as did the Ferraris the Ferraris are a great 2-3 as well Norris with the upgrade of McLaren this week, putting in a good performance as yeah, well. Yeah, they're looking good. And Stroll out qualifying Alonso again. Mm. And then this brings us on to the sprint shootout, Ooh, which... Yeah, which was juicy. Yeah, <laughs> it was juicy. It was entertaining. But I just hate this idea, to, to be honest. The whole concept. So do you hate the the order or do you hate the sprint? No, I hate that there's back-to-back qualifying sessions. Yes, 
Yes. You know, we, we've done this mm-hmm. last night. It kind of takes a little bit, I don't know, it takes away from qualifying main itself, which I love qualifying, mm. I think it's, but this just kind of, yeah, it cheapens it a little bit. And also it's just kind of like, as in it's like having a match and then straight away afterwards saying, oh, let's play again and see how the result changes, mm. you know? Yeah. So the main winners out of obviously were Perez getting back into second where the car should be. Yeah. Again, Hulkenberg, Norris putting in good performances. Hamilton getting unfortunate, well, I unfortunate and not being able to put in a good time, mm-hmm. whichever you want to. You know, so it is a bit exhausting, to be honest. Uh, yeah, it it it's just adding unnecessary. They're they are just looking at unnecessary drama. Realistically, that that's their end goal mm-hmm. here. I think it's the easiest and cheapest way that they can do this, while knowing that people will like it by and large. Yeah. You know, as in people aren't going to say no to more racing. But I, yeah, I like I said last week, and I'm sure we'll say at the next sprint race, I would just love to see some outside the box thinking when it comes to if they want to rejig a race weekend, mm-hmm. do something interesting with it. Don't don't do this, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I would because agree. now we've this is our second one this year. Baku was terrible, and the sprint race itself here in Austria was great. That's you know that's fantastic. But I don't think they should get away with it being a good sprint race to mean that the format is good. Do you know? Yes. Yeah. We need to see it more in more places. The sprint was great, though. I have to say it was fairly uh, drama filled. Obviously, Max and Checo come and blows. Mm. On lap one. What's your opinion on this? What What do you think happened? Because obviously Max said that Perez pushed him off. Perez said that he didn't see him. It To very much paraphrase what the argument was about afterwards. I think when you look at it on off the grid, Max squeezes Checo as close as he can to the wall mm-hmm. coming into the first turn. Yeah. And I think Checo wanted to do the same. It, that that's, that's what I view it as. Yeah. But he did it more dangerously and onto the grass. You know, mm-hmm. as in Max was... Uh, Again, I'm not a huge fan of his driving style. Sometimes Max was probably a bit aggressive off the line, but did it within within reason. You know, he didn't push Checo into the wall, you know, mm-hmm. but probably pushed him a bit more than Checo was expecting. Yeah. And so when they come out of that sec- the first turn, then I think Checo wanted to repay the favour. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and again, then just overstepped the mark, the, overstepped the mark a little bit more and caused that, yeah. And Max's analysis afterwards was right that that could have caused a massive shunt. That could have caused... You know, I'm looking back to like 2016 mm-hmm. Mercs where they, Rosberg pushed Hamilton on the grass, the wheel, the car spun and they collected both of them and they're oh, gone. Yeah. You know, yeah, I've so. Seen that. Yeah, it could have gone he really He's dead bad. right. But for Max to say that after pushing Checo so wide, you know, it's. It's kind it's of the your Spider-Man meme inter-team. where they're pointing at each other. Exactly that. Yeah, 100%. So I think they both have grounds to feel aggrieved. Mm-hmm. But. I Checo was probably more in the wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's the kind of the toxic rebel culture of easier beaten. And then I think Max well, Max said because of going on the grass, that's how we got so deep into the into turn three then that kind of pushed Checo wide and let Hulkenberg through <laughs> on him. Well, let Hulkenberg <laughs> catch up enough to get through. Fucking move. Hulkenberg was just like, I'm a slide in here while you two are arguing amongst yourselves. Yeah, it was a very opportune. Mm. I loved <laughs> Hulkenberg was like it's happened to be in like when you play an online game or something and you're having like you're doing amazing mm. but you know that you're not nearly good enough to be yeah. doing this so you're like fuck when's it gonna catch up on me yeah ah. <laughs> and then you just see it happening literally Gunther Sander said that though while um he was on the team yeah. radio being interviewed he was they were like obviously whoever it was Ted or I can't remember who it was said oh this is great like your P2 and he was like yeah with like it's great yeah but it's not going to last like come on let's be realistic but he's still got a great result 
P6, I believe you finished. Still, yeah, P6, really good result yeah. for Haas. And it just shows that they're making a bit of progress with that car as well. So there's a bit of light. That's nice to see. Hulk is really over the last kind of three, four Grand Prix. He's really started to turn the screw on Magnussen as well. Coming oh, into yeah. the season, I was, I was kind of expecting Magnussen to not brush him aside, but, you know, to to have a reasonable amount of an advantage over it. But Hulkenberg has really proved me wrong anyway in that mm. he's he's churning out results and he, he's doing kind of what those backmarker teams love where he's making them recognisable. You know, mm-hmm. him him sticking it into Q3 and then, yeah, fair enough, they fall out of the way in the race. But just even getting that in Q3, that's a lot of sponsors' eyes on it. You know, that's yeah. that's a good thing for them to go home with. It's like George in um, George Russell in Williams a couple of years ago. Like. Yeah, exactly, yeah. The un- Everyone loves an underdog. Speaking of George, that was a real Jensen Button-esque performance <laughs> in the sprint. Yeah. Could not, could not have switched tyres at a better time. But it's not just the switching the tyres, it's keeping on the road being the first on six and keeping on the road mm. was really impressive. It was a really mature drive from him. Made a couple of moves where he needed to, but just, yeah, r- ran a really good race with it. He was very slow and steady, wasn't he? He was very consistent. Was he, when he had his, when he got the slicks on, was it him or Hamilton who kind of skidded as they came out of the pits? I think it was, I, Hamilton had a big old tank slapper coming out. Yeah, I mean, it must have been Hamilton. He, he pitted a lap later. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, George could have also as well, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> But it was it was very it, in fairness to both uh, Mercedes, there was a really really good drive from both of them. But yeah, George in particular, we just know he's good in the wet. So like this is his perfect conditions, really. Yeah, and there there is we're missing that kind of driver on the grid at the moment. The the changing conditions driver, as in obviously mm. Max Lewis are all very good in it, but Button would always say come out on top of them mm-hmm. in any changing condition. It's it's the driver who can spot the exact moment to switch it over gains so much like you've seen that he was gaining uh, three four seconds a lap coming into the last couple of laps if that had happened two laps earlier he could easily have been tipping on for a podium but then you don't know i suppose the ferraris might have pitted or you know you can't yeah it's it's easy to say if if one thing went right then everything else would have fallen into place but again speaking of the ferraris they also did a fantastic job like the the we this was a good weekend for Ferrari minus the great penalties. Minus the great penalties, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just Charles had a bit of a, a rough sprint quality. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Ferrari this, this is two good weekends in a row for them overall. So they'll definitely be looking and it, I they were fast here last year, but I think they definitely been looking more towards Silverstone as where they can mm. start to mount a challenge. Obviously not in the championship, but just into getting back into the top. One thing I'd like to ask you on your opinion on is just obviously because um the sprint the sprint started off in inters and then half of the grids swapped to slicks or mediums. What I I just find that really interesting that half the grid took the risk and the other half didn't. If you were if you had been a driver in that situation, what do you think you would have done? Because obviously sticking to the inters proved to be rewarding for whatever the top seven who didn't really fall down because obviously they didn't lose time in the pits. But yeah. do you think it was the right call from the drivers who finished lower down? Do you think that it could have put them at risk of of spitting out? Yeah, so when you look at the drivers that do that first, it's very seldom the ones up in the top five. So G- George, where he was, he was in a perfect place to, let's take a, let's take a rant, let's take a gamble on this, see what we can make of it. You know, they weren't yeah. getting points anyway at that point. Go for it, yeah. 
it it it's a decision that changes depending on where you are mm-hmm. especially when you're changing from inters to slicks and not the other way around mm-hmm. because you you still have that bit of protection on on the inters mm-hmm. so i can definitely see why the top down to ocon stayed on the inters because there wasn't that much left in the race mm-hmm. they assumed they could kind of cling on and in ocon's case he did yes but when you're outside the points positions or when you're going for a hail mary it's absolutely the call to do and then you're just at the mercy of your own driving ability to stay on the dry line because once you get them sex cold then you're facing into another issue so yeah. it becomes just a real a, a real driver's challenge more than even a car challenge mm-hmm. because any car on slicks will beat any other car on inters mm-hmm. on a drying track yeah. D- that is just the the fact that you've seen the pace differential that Russell had yeah so it's yeah it's backing yourself to be able to keep the tires in a functional window mm-hmm. and do it so then onto the full race so we had obviously Max I don't even <laughs> have words P1, anymore to finish P1 he didn't lead all the laps though for a change so that was a nice little change yes you know? there was a good battle between himself and Leclerc yeah it was kind of one of those do you know like when you're playing with like an nephew or a niece or something and you, you need to make it interesting for yourself mm. playing them in something it was kind of like that it was like, you know he he was fighting them but he knew he was getting them yeah <laughs> there was no real yeah he was just it was almost like um a cat playing with the mouse like Verstappen yeah, almost yeah exactly <laughs> wanted wanted to have something interesting to happen was like willing to play with Leclerc but Leclerc was kind of like last ditch attempt like <laughs> yeah but yeah Red Bull have now won 20 of the last 21 races and Checo has won three of them <laughs> like so yeah look Max we say it every week, but Max is in the form of his life, in the car of his life. Yep. And there's no, there's no, I don't think there's a driver other in on the grid or in the world that would even touch him in that other car, no. given the form he's in. He he makes yeah. no mistakes. It's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, no mistakes is outright fast all the time. Yeah. And you know, as in Leclerc only, or he only won by five seconds, but that was obviously after pitting to go for a fast lap as well. Mm. So you're looking at what, a 25 second net victory, not really pushing himself that yeah. hard. Yeah, that wasn't even him at full capacity. Like, No, no, I, I genuinely, I don't think we've seen Max at full capacity this year. Maybe Barr... Miami for the first kind of 20 laps and he was chasing down Checo you know he he has been at a relative canter and been more than good enough to to still do it yeah totally so that's that's a Verstappen but his teammate obviously which we've spoken about over the weekend Perez actually ended up in P3 considering he started down in P15 which was pretty decent yeah he I feel like you're going to disagree with me no, no, I, I don't. Given the pace that Ferraris have had, I don't think. I, I think third is a good result, mm. and I think he'll he'll go away from that with a little bit of confidence built up going into Silverstone now this weekend. Yeah. So yeah, given given the Friday that he had to do well on Saturday and Sunday, yeah, he he's made of a statement back to the team to say, look, I'm still capable of doing this, and that that's all he could do. You know, I think. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, he's not being dropped anytime soon. No, no, I, I I keep seeing reports about it and Ricardo photoed, blah, 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 all this. No, no he, he he's contracted the next year and barring any massive instance between now and the end of the year, he will fulfil that contract. Yeah. And Christian Horner again did confirm that. And I mean, I wouldn't take that for um, gospel except for the fact that he was so vocal about how terrible he was in every other capacity. Like, 
uh, if if there was any whisperings or if there was any doubts, he would, I think, even allude to it slightly. So the fact yeah. he very confidently was like, "No, we're not changing him," is um, a, sign, no, a good the, sign. The only the only way he would end up not in that car mm. is if Red Bull are trying to secure another driver, but they already have Alfa Tauri to do that with. Yeah. So you have people. No, he he'll he'll be there until the end of next year. I don't. He, I'd say at that point that'll be that'll be fun, but his his race will be ran. Yeah. But he's doing a good enough job, and he's still second in the championship. So yeah, it's it's more for the more for himself. Yeah, <laughs> he, exactly. He needs to he needs to pick it up. Yeah, totally. and and even like I genuinely, I'd say from from Max's perspective, having a competitive teammate makes your championships just that little bit more special. So a bit more interesting. It's probably bored. Yeah. As we said, like there's only so many times you can lead a Grand Prix before it gets a bit monotonous. Surely. Yeah, but Red Bull. With Max at the helm at, at the minute are reminiscent of Schumacher, Ferrari, Hamilton and Rosberg with Merck and kind of the, the early hybrid era up and down the field. Every part of that team seems to be just running a full capacity and it's going to be a struggle to see anyone getting close to them. Such a yeah. And that obviously leads us to Hamilton's request for rule changes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the interview like, where he he was trying to make the argument that they should set limits on when a team can start to develop the car for next year. <sighs> what's your What's your take on this? I can see where he's coming from. Not not as in I can see where he's coming from in the place where we're back at the stage with a team being miles ahead and no sign of anyone being able to catch up to them just because they've built up you know the, mm. that that level of a lead. So I can understand it from that point. But what he's suggesting, first of all, makes no sense because what about teams like Haas, a lot of other teams that don't can't afford to upgrade during the years? So they basically build a car, do a couple of quick upgrades, and then they start working on the following sure, year's car. Sure, isn't that what Haas did for last year's car? Like Exactly, yeah. So it, th- this isn't a good idea. <laughs> Secondly, we already have the tiered tunnel time from the championship position. So Red Bull are already limited de facto by winning mm. so you know that cuts down on their development time for next year mm-hmm. and then yeah obviously there's a bit of hypocrisy from it but I've I don't I was chatting chatting with the lads about this where Hamilton's biggest issue sometimes in, in these kind of things is he's way too deadpan he just kind of delivers this kind of stuff and doesn't do it in the same way Alonso does where he's kind of cheeky and ha 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 mm. you know that's what I think or whatever he, he kind of says it in a way that he seems like He's not. He's not allowing for any criticism of himself. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. He comes across as a very sore loser. I. I don't truly yeah. believe he. I think he is very sportsman. Like I don't truly believe he is a bad loser, but he comes across as such a sourpuss when he says things like that. Like exactly. Yeah. And, and but also as in it's a bit cheap for Max to be then you know making reference to it because Red Bull did that for the entirety of Mercedes. Yeah, true. Domination, you know, the, like yeah. Yeah, they all do it. It's yeah. just that this is the most recent case of it, and yeah, Hamilton has the worst way of putting these things. That it, and it's so yeah, it's so easy to point to his record. Yeah, <laughs> you know, with it. Yeah, it just he he's he came to it too soon. I think like it's only been two mm. years since he was like properly in the fight for the championship. Like after coming yeah. off what seven world titles, so <clears throat> it's funny. But yeah, as in Red Bull the whole way through, Red Bull, Ferrari, all of them through 14, 15, 16 were giving out stink about Mercedes. So, you know, the, they all do it. Oh, it's part of yeah, the, definitely. It's, it's part of the thing, but yeah, given that they had the longest kind of run 
of domination. <laughs> it, mm. yeah, it doesn't it doesn't play over well with the you know as in Hamilton already is a lot of people that don't like him. Yeah, it, it doesn't play over well with them nor the people who are in between. Yeah, know? yeah, it's just give it handing people a reason to bitch about. Him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which I don't love. Cause, I mean. People will find a way to bitch about him no matter what. So <laughs> no, and look, I I'm obviously a Hamilton fan, so I I'm viewing it through a different set of lenses. But even yeah, even still, I don't like the way he kind of puts stuff and some of the stuff. Yeah. In terms of result, then for Mercedes, we did Hamilton P seven, Russell P eight. Oh, it's the other way around. So I suppose this is the the first team to be affected by the the race penalties. Yes. So Hamilton obviously post race getting demoted from P seven to P eight, mm-hmm. and that brought Russell up to P seven. So I think overall it was a fairly muted weekend out of Hamilton and, and Russell by and large, given the kind of the, the ascendancy they've had over the last while. Obviously, we talked about Russell doing well in the sprint. Yeah. But in terms of race pace, they were kind of just middle of the pack. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what they are. They're, they're best of the rest. Well, yeah, they will be best of the rest. So, I mean, this is this is to be expected as a result. Yeah, I think this is what we've talked about a few times where track dependent, you'll have any of Ferrari, yeah. Aston Martin and Mercedes kind of in any given order really. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think this track particularly suits Mercedes and I think we saw the the brunt of that then on, on Sunday. Just They just mm-hmm. didn't have pace and then obviously the penalties coming in thick and fast during the race. Jesus, yeah. Do we want to move on to our other, our second best of the rest, Ferrari? Yeah, so we touched on already, yeah, really mm. good weekend from Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Some genuine pace in the car. Leclerc looked a lot more at home in the car. Yeah. And, and some battles, some some proper, interesting, good racing, particularly from Sainz. I think Sainz and Perez had a few kind of... A few ding-dong battles, yeah. yeah. And that was so exciting to see, like... That's, do you know when you're like, yes, this is proper, like, racing. This is very exciting. Yeah, again, and you've seen kind of the second driver version of Max versus Charles. And, yeah, Perez just didn't have the confidence. He was kind of hanging back a bit more from, from science, say, than Max was. Mm-hmm. But eventually getting the job done and then kind of coasted away from him. And then after that, it wasn't, uh, there wasn't much of a challenge from science. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He and- st- stayed within touch and distance, but... Again, yeah, that's look your Ferrari. Given the start of the year they've had, I think you can uh, you can definitely come away from that and say yes, a P two and a belated P six down from P four. Mm. That's that is a pity. That's about as much, yeah. But them's the brakes. The upgrades possibly starting to work a bit in that car. Yeah, we're probably starting to see Fred Fred Vasseur's kind of impact on the team now. You know, he only mm-hmm. came in kind of over the winter, so he's probably only starting to really get a grip on what he wants them to be doing yeah. and I think we've seen a much more competent Ferrari over the last few weeks definitely it's really nice to see the growth up like back towards some kind of competitiveness <laughs> it's, yeah, really, yeah, it's a very very untechnical way of saying it but they're, they're slowly clawing their way back yeah and look I think basically for everyone that they're just kind of getting set up for next year because mm-hmm. th- this year is gone they're trying to just get as much results or get as positive a result as they can out of every weekend while learning as much as possible for next year, I think is is the target for your Ferrari Mercedes this year. Yeah, 100%. We then go on to another team where the upgrades are properly working, which is McLaren. Yeah, so Lando was the only 
in the only car with it for this week. Oh, was so, he? Okay. Yeah. Beyond that would Street make sense. Habit, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, really good weekend from him again. He Now, in fairness, he loves this track. Mm-hmm. I think he, you know, he has multiple podiums around here. He, he just, it just suits him. So, yeah, really good, really good race from Norris. He, <laughs> he was given a bit of bitching as well about Hamilton, wasn't it? For, was he? Yeah, about uh, about track limits. Uh. He was radioing in and out saying Hamilton went wide, Hamilton went wide. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's so, like they're all ratting on each other. It's like gives oh, me the yeah, biggest ache. Like <laughs> that's the the constant. Yeah, it's it's so funny. Um, and I think there was one or two um battles between Signs and Norris, which was nice to see. Like nice, yeah. respectful battle, but a battle nonetheless. Yeah, the the driving quality this year overall seems so much higher than the last number of years. Mm-hmm. I don't know what what it is. Is it that we've got rid of kind of your Mick Schumachers, etc.? But there seems to be a lot less contact in yes. close quarters. Yes. Compared compared to previous years, especially here coming down into P4 where it is so easy to understeer and clip somebody's rear wing and put mm-hmm. them off into the gravel, which we've seen, I think, at least twice for the last three years in this race, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's it, very true. The, the quality of racing at the top has really, really improved. Which is very nice to see because there's nothing more frustrating than having some kind one car go off and then it ending in a yellow flag or something as like yeah, exactly, good as yeah. they can be to bunch up everyone. It's at the same time it's like, oh, you really lose that momentum. You want to get a good run at somebody, yeah. yeah. So yeah, McLaren's upgrades seem to be really working and given that this was a sprint weekend as well, they really wouldn't have got much time with them. So mm-hmm. I'd say they're delighted. P four. Like yeah, great. coming into Silverstone now, that's a really good result for them, for the team to come to the home race and yeah. kick on from there. I'm assuming Piastri will get the upgrades this week, which, you know, it makes sense that Norris gets them. And we've seen this. This is part of the cost cap and part of mm. how things are going to happen in F1 now. Like we had it last week with, or sorry, we had it two weeks ago with Albon obviously getting the Williams upgrades first. Yes, and then Sargent. Was yeah, because I'm assuming it's just as in it, it's save money that they try them out mm-hmm. one car and if it works then they'll spread them this would have happened previously but only ever really if an upgrade was a last minute let's race this to the track yeah. and get it onto the car they might only have one or if one gets broken only one driver will get the full upgrade you know I quite so, like it though because it really gives it, it gives you a proper like uh, control for what they're doing yeah. yeah exactly and you can really compare between I mean obviously number one and number two drivers in most teams are different in skill level but like I just think it's really interesting to see when one driver bumps up hugely you can see the difference in comparison to their counterpart who hasn't gotten yeah. the upgrade yet and now Piastri still had a pretty solid weekend oh yeah he had he had some good moments as well yeah obviously out of the points overall but I think still he's really chucking along there mm. doing a really good job and as far as rookies go you know he's having one of the best seasons you can possibly have kind of these days in F1 coming in with the, the level yeah. the level they're at and the, the age they come in and the lack of test and they have you know like we'd look back to say Hamilton and Vettel joining the sport what was net quite young then and doing quite well hitting the ground running from early but they had basically unlimited testing before they got into that and the other mm. team there was so much more support around it whereas nowadays they don't get that you know they have it a little bit in F2 but the, the gulf between F2 to F1 it's in terms huge. of racecraft and driving and managing the car and being able to help with upgrades all that kind of stuff is huge so being mm-hmm. able to for him to be able to keep not not keep up with Lando but 
keep Lando honest as in you know when you, mm, when you compare yeah. when you compare him to the other rookies he is keeping Lando honest yeah 100% he is putting a little bit of fire under his arse for a rookie yeah 100% yeah speaking of keeping honest then obviously Aston Martin had a <laughs> again a quiet weekend for yeah. by their standards but still picked up a good haul of points and have extended on Mercedes in the championships they're they're second in the constructors yeah there was yeah the little bit of drama between <laughs> God, that was um, that was interesting. Yeah, the drama between uh, the two of them racing at the sprint, and at one point, I think Stroll had radioed, being like, "Why, like, why are we wasting time? Or like, yeah. why are we wasting time racing?" <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's just it's interesting. Um, again, like we've talked many times about uh, the relationship between the two of them and Stroll's relationship to the team, obviously being more personal and how that affects maybe his standing in the team. But it's 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 funny but it's also good like it's it's good to see them racing because that's yeah. what they should be doing theoretically if they're both in the same car and they're both the same standard that they should and be again, racing each other i think alonso was holding a little bit back in that because oh, but, yeah. but but what you would if you're getting along with a teammate that that kind of level holding it back you know oh yeah like i think if they're you really not wanted fighting to, for serious yeah overtaken yeah i do agree if that was for a podium position yeah maybe it might have been a little bit different mm-hmm. but but during the race itself then, obviously, Alonso kind of was in the middle of nowhere for a lot of it mm. early on. And then, obviously, post-penalty, Hamilton came out behind him. He was able to keep Hamilton behind him and then kind of trucked through the race. Mm-hmm. He never really challenged Lando ahead of him. and But, yeah, did a solid job in that car. And, you know, the, the top eight positions that were just so competitive, yeah. especially if we're going to have McLaren coming in and kind of breaking up that top four team a little bit mm-hmm. and Alpine are always knocking at the door as well but like yeah. I'm looking down here like the from excluding the two Red Bulls there is there's so much competition for every other point scoring position oh, uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great for for the rest of the year if the, if those two teams can really keep up with it yeah because there's only so many places at the table and there's more people knocking down the door to get in yeah <laughs> yeah and speaking of rookies, Logan Sargent um, had quite a decent race. Like, I think this might be the highest he's finished. By his standards, I'm not sure. So he finished 13th. I'm not sure if it's his highest or not. But by his standards, that's, you know, very really it's, good. It's good, yeah. Yeah, and it's why I've never, or not never been, but it's why I haven't been too harsh on him so far yet. I think he is one of the rookier rookies <laughs> coming mm, in, you yeah, know. Yeah, So... He's had obviously a few years in F2, but yeah, I think he, he'll he keep trucking along. Look, he's never going to set the world light in that Williams, but it's nice to see him keeping on the road and getting getting a decent result yeah. for himself, if not the team, you know. Yeah, exactly. And then we run through, I suppose, the rest of the the rest of the grid. So yeah. Haas, obviously a good sprint race, but the race itself, they, Hulkenberg obviously with the power failure and mm-hmm. then Magnussen just had very little pace through, throughout the race. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Yeah. Sorry to, to have after yeah and Alpha Towery we had Nick who pushed Magnuson off again, which was yeah. bad like that was very blatantly bad yeah <laughs> the only way I can say it like I I think Magnuson had the racing line and Nick just bu- pushed him out and she went into the gravel so that definitely didn't help things it was nice to see though a pop up for a five second penalty that wasn't for it's track limits yeah 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 how novel so yeah look Nick 
uh, I I struggle to see him making Nick making his home race. To be honest, I, they they might let him do it just out of decency, but th- there's no point. There's no point <laughs> having actually, that car. That makes un- me skin unless... crawl. The like the the patheticness of it. Like oh my god. Yeah. Unless Ooh. unless he has a really big result in the next three races, uh, I don't see him sticking around beyond the summer break. To be honest, no. because there's too many talented drivers down the field that, or sorry, too many talented drivers off the field deserve a chance and he's had his and look you know half season maybe isn't enough to to judge somebody on but somebody of his experience and maturity Mm -hmm. yeah and the other rookies aren't causing collisions or pushing people off the track so that also has to be yeah it's it's just frustration i'd imagine at this point but yeah totally but this is the second time now even though it was an incident it was deemed an incident in canada when he kind of pushed magnuson off a bit I mean, that's that's a second in a row, basically, between yeah. himself and another driver, which isn't a great track record, no matter what way you spin it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Mm. Then Yuki and the pair of Alfa Romeos, again, not really a huge positive yeah. report. Granny yeah. Joe had ran a pretty decent race, but yeah. no points yet again for him. Yeah. Bottas, again, was pretty anonymous, so... I think, you know, they, yeah. they'll be... It, this, this'll be what we'll see throughout the year, where... They'll, they'll have very little to talk about for maybe three quarters of the races and then every so often they'll pop up mm. where the car suits them or they just get a bit of luck on the day. Yeah, it seems to me that they're both, I mean, obviously Valtteri Bottas is it's an incredible driver, but they're both good drivers. It's, yeah. yeah, it's more, it's it's the car in this instance, um, which is obviously very frustrating, but in some ways it can be better because then at least if you like the drivers, <laughs> you can just blame it on the car. Yeah, yeah. And not them. And then Yuki, just going back to Alfa Tari, Yuki then finishing in P19, shocking, is all I can say. Like, that's, that must be one of the first times now he's finished um, after his teammate. After he's on the road, yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't see Anne about ha- him having specific issues or anything, but mm. you don't know. You, it could have been anything there, yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. It was just, it was bad. Alpine. Alpine, yeah, I was just about to say, did you hear about Ocon's radio message after the race? No. Oh, so say? his engineer radio, because they were out of the points anyway, and yeah. it was, I can't remember what exactly it was, it was something along the lines of, oh, you know, lots of, tri- lots of penalties up and down the grid, fair play to you, you kept it clean, <laughs> blah, 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 all of this, well, and then, yeah, ended up with a total of 30 seconds, seconds, so a 5, a 10, a 5, a 10. That is, like... How? Genuinely how? Yeah, so the, this obviously goes back to where just they're not they're not in a position to give these like because it's completely unfair where say Albon one of Al- Albon's penalty he had gotten a penalty before he had gotten a warning because oh. it had taken them so long Which to, is just unfair. Yeah, so by the time he had gotten his first warning he had already racked up four offences which gave him the first penalty which doesn't give them time to adjust their style because they they're assuming if they're not getting a summons for it or they're getting, not getting yeah. warned about it they're they're okay yeah so exactly. and why would they adjust their behavior yeah exactly so and this all obviously stemmed from the aston martin race or the aston martin challenging to the results mm. but look as in aston martin wants to do it it could have been any of them to do it you know so yeah 100 percent. i do think like as funny as it is like the meme of Ocon basically being the penalty king at this point. Yeah. <laughs> like, 30 seconds just seems mad. But he only dropped two places. He only dropped from P12 to P14, which I find maddening. 
Yeah, well, I suppose that's you drop behind Sergeant, so that yeah, was, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Actually, a good, good, a good chunk of that. Him maybe. and him and Joe basically did a little swapperoo. Yeah. So um, yeah, barring that, Gasly picking up a point in tenth. That's yeah. that's Does, about as positive their weekend got really. I suppose they got into Q three. Yeah. No, they, they didn't. Oh, they didn't. They they did. Yeah, into Q three, picking up a point. That's kind of our Alpine are at the minute. So you can kind of nail them down to be getting to be doing that. They picked up two points in the sprint, obviously as well with Ocon holding off Russell. Mm. So yeah, they're they're, not they're huge... the most midfield midfield team this year. Yes, if yeah, that makes they're sense. they're Bang head and shoulders above. Middle. On average, at every track, they're by head and shoulders above everyone below them, and but just short of like head and shoulders below the teams above. Them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally, like they just can't move from that position. It's so funny. So, with the Austrian Grand Prix under our belt, we are going to discuss where we are going to rank it in our race ranking. So, Jason, what is our number one race ranked for the 2023 season so far, if you could remind us? At the moment, it's Barcelona, I think, but I would probably put this ahead of that just for Mm. good action up and down the field and good qualifying session as well and a bit of drama. I think for I me, agree. top. I would second that. I think that the Austrian Grand Prix was an elevated version of what we saw in Barcelona. So I think yeah. it was the right level of drama, the right level of racing, of fair of fair racing, which is, you know, yeah. something completely different from drama. But it had a good level of drama. Um, the only downside is, is that I didn't fucking watch it live and I kind of hate myself for it. <laughs> <laughs> We are straight back into Silverstone this weekend. Ooh, so we'll give a quick exciting. run through, I suppose, on Silverstone. We're back to, thankfully, a normal race weekend. So we're going to see yeah. a lot of upgrades coming in, as far as I know. I think Aston Martin, Mercedes, Ferrari are bringing finesses, I believe, to their upgrades. Oh. So we're going to see a lot of change about in pace. It's a track that hasn't tradition or hasn't suited Red Bull massively over the last couple of years. Mm. So you oh, have, have a bit of hope that we might see a bit of a challenge coming in from Ferrari's. Ferrari were very quick here oh, last yeah. year and they were, you know, it's a track that Austria can give you a little bit of an indication into as well. So mm. I think we're going to have a much closer top end of the grid this weekend. Which would be exciting. Assuming again, Max isn't holding back. Yes. Yeah. A second and lap, yeah. <laughs> Sure. The only thing I know about Silverstone is it's very hard on the front left tire. That's all I know. Yeah. So actually, that brings <laughs> on as well to the the tires are changing this weekend. Oh, so are they? A tougher construction on the front end, which is supposedly going to help with front end grip. Aha. Uh-huh. So I've been trying to think about which cars this is going to affect. I think it'll negatively affect Mercedes because they seem to be quite trigger happy mm. on the rear end. So I think adding front to that will not help. Mm. Ferrari might be one of the ones to stand to benefit from the benefit from this. I know Leclerc has complained that they they haven't had a pokey enough front end that it can be kind of slacken. So yeah. if that works, but but these kind of tire changes mid season are pretty much a uh, a coin flip. You know, mm-hmm. could go either way. Yeah, the the teams will have tested them in in part and kind of have an idea of them. But yeah, we're really gonna have to wait until after the weekend to to decide the effects they'll have on them. Mm-hmm. I would love for them to shake up. Red Bull maybe you know out of where they are because Red Bull have been the one team we haven't heard anything about tyres out of the entire season they have been yeah, happy you're right. <laughs> effectively yeah. barring Canada a little bit and Max complained a little bit in Barcelona by and large they have been cruising around on their tyres they've never had issues with warm up 
Mm-hmm. Max That's has never had issues with warm up. So, you know, we might see a bit of a a change at the top. So that's definitely something I, I assume they'll be talking about that throughout commentary and, and the race this weekend. So yeah. this is our first hands on with them in a in a timed session that we'll get to see what they're like. Yeah, that'll be exciting. And, and the atmosphere is always good at Silverstone, even though it's chronically British. It's like everyone's obviously, <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to say that, but it is. Uh, with like even everyone camping and stuff like that, it seems like a very festival vibe. Um, yeah, I've heard that it's one of the best races to go to, to camp at, that it's uh, it's very enjoyable. Yeah. So like I think the, the energy from the crowd really reflects back on yeah. that, even through the screen. Like I just think the energy there is infectious. So it's, yeah, and they get good acts in as well. Yes, they for do. gigs, you know, there's yeah, there's a, and there'll be some famous people. Hopefully, we'll get um, we'll get Martin Brundle's grid walk. Maybe some British celebrities will be there on the on the grid. Yeah, so that's my personal favorite bit. Weather wise, we're looking at a nice clear Friday and Saturday. Sunday is looking to be a little bit colder with the chance of rain. Mm-hmm. Now, even just as in there's a drop off of seven degrees between Saturday and Sunday, so that that oh, can wow. screw the teams up a little bit in terms of their preparation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would. Silverstone is one of those where you could just can't predict it because obviously it's it's yeah. an ex ex airfield base, so weather can just stroll in and do whatever it wants there. It's very open, broad mm-hmm. sort of operation. So I'm excited yeah, though. It's an interesting track as well, and it's like you have a couple of drivers who are quite prolific around here, as in Hamilton going for his ninth win mm-hmm. at, at Silverstone. So you'll have the British drivers really up for it. You'll have McLaren obviously buzzing after last weekend. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're in for a pretty decent race. Yeah, very exciting. We'll be reviewing the Silverstone Grand Prix next Wednesday on the podcast. So this week on FPUN, we have chosen the category of cocktails, which I thought would be really easy, but it's actually extremely difficult. Um, so I I'm going to apologize. Like three cocktails. Oh yeah, I had to Google cocktail names um, because. It's it's super hard. All of mine are terrible. So whatever you guess, Jay, or whatever you propose, Jason, is is going to be equally as bad as mine. Whiskey so. on the silver stones, kind of like oh. whiskey on the rocks. Oh, also not yeah. a cocktail, but I mean, I mean, cocktail has to be very loose, a loose term at this point because we're a bit yeah, desperate. Yeah. A co- <laughs> No, I do this every week where I write them down and I'm like, that's genius. And then I try to say them out loud and I'm like, I can't actually say that and make it sound like a word. A Cosmo instead of Cosmo. Oh, yeah. Like an a Cosmopolitan. Yes, that would have been better. Instead of a Mojito, you have a Monico. Oh, yeah. Monico Hulkenberg. We have, keeping in the Spanish theme, a Signs Gria. (laughs) That's good. I had my signs instead of my tie. Which is again a stretch and Mimo signs instead of <laughs> What about a uh, Max Manhattan? Is that even? Oh yeah, because it's like Max Verstappen, Max Manhattan. Manhattan, yeah, I'll take that. Uh, instead of a Negroni, a Negroni. Yeah, a Negroni sounds very exciting. I thought. Um, and then I was trying to think of like a sex on the beach and like a variation of that. But all I could think of was a stroll on the beach, which just sounds like a peachy version. <laughs> <laughs> What about a uh, porn star martini brundle? 
Oh, that's very good. That's very good. Luckily, we have our lovely listeners to help us out with our F puns, considering we're struggling a bit this week. We sure are. So thank you to everyone who submitted your puns. Uh, Always appreciated, especially when we have zero creativity. So thank you. First one is, again, not a cocktail, but within the same vibe. Valtteri bottle service. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fancy. Cocktails are fancy. Um, this one's good. Apex on the beach, which I think is much <laughs> better than stroll on the beach. <laughs> Actually, very good. We have uh, this one is so obvious. Aston Martini. Oh yeah. So yeah. so yeah. Sergio Esperazzo Martini. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's good. So yeah. Sergio Esperazzo Martini. So Esperazzo Martini. Esperazzo. And finally, we have Al Sexander Albon the Beach. Al Sexander Albon oh. the Beach. <laughs> <laughs> that is dire fantastic. Yeah. That's very good. Old fashioned old Alonso. Okay, I think it's time. That's for time. Us to to, yeah. Stop. And I, on that note, that's going to be all from us this week. <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll be back next Wednesday with our Silverstone Race review. If you have enjoyed the podcast, be sure to give us a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out if you give us a review and tell all your friends and family to give us a listen. We're also on Instagram at Did You Watch The Race, all one word. And while you're there, be sure to check out Coley Illustrations. And a big thanks to her, as always, for doing her beautiful artwork. So thanks for listening. I've been Jason. I've been Gemma. And we'll talk to you next Wednesday. <laughs>